Welcome to church this morning, True North. Who's fired up to be at church today? Yes. Hey, while we're clapping our hands, can we welcome our family at SCI Chester and our partnership with God Behind Bars? It's incredible. So grateful to be part of this great series of Holy Fear. Has anybody gotten something great out of this series so far? I can tell you watching it, it has been such a huge help to me personally. I think it's great from time to time to be reminded that we should have holy fear. Hey, my name is Joe Sangle. If we haven't met before, I am fired up all the time. Uh, some of you know that. And my passion is to help equip the people of God to win with their money God's way so that they can live wildly generous lives and be able to accomplish far more than they ever thought possible with their personal finances. Who wants to accomplish far more than you ever thought possible with your personal finances? That's awesome. And so I thought I would start with uh, some money jokes. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll share some with you. Anybody who needs some jokes to start the morning? Be really good, it's awesome. So one of them is this, that money isn't everything, but it definitely keeps you in touch with your children. <laughs> right, parents? Yes, I have one adult child, help me Lord. Okay, what type of investment do Wall Street traders call a 007? A bond. That's, 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 that's a real bad one. How do dinosaurs pay their bills? With Tyrannosaurus checks. Yeah. If time is money, are ATMs time machines? Hmm. The stock market is weird. Every time one guy sells, another one buys and they both think they're smart. Think about that. One more, if you think nobody cares whether you're alive, try missing a couple of payments. There we go. And so that's the truth. In today's challenging topic, we're gonna to talk about money and about how to have holy fear of the Lord as it pertains to how we manage and steward the stuff that is in our hands, the stuff that God gives us. And my goal today is that no one today would feel put down, that you would feel uh, tremendous regret, uh, that you would feel somehow less than, but that you would leave encouraged knowing that the Lord is for you. He, he is for you as much as he is for me. The Lord is for his people. And today, as we, we are going through this series, Psalm 33, 18 and 19, we saw it on the screen there in the intro. I just want to put it on the screen again and go through it one more time. It's really the anchor verse of this series that says, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Who wants to have the eye of the Lord on you? Who wants the Lord attending to your prayers? And it says in the Bible in Revelations that our, that our prayers are like incense in the nostrils of the Lord, that they are sweet vapors rising from the bowl. I love that. And it says, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. This is a great series. This is a, this is a challenging message, and I'm so grateful to Pastor Jesse for challenging me to deliver this one. And I've spent more time on this message than I've spent on a message in the last five years. It has ministered to my own heart more than any message that I've delivered in the last five years. I'm grateful for that. I pray that it does the same for you. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? I, I ran across this from Jessica Brody at Christianity.com, and she said it this way. The fear of the Lord can mean two things. First, it can serve as an adjective. 
meaning the fear and all that is God himself, his immense and formidable nature, not only his wrath, but also his power in general. That could be the fear of the Lord. As we know, God is all-powerful. He created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. In his power, he is able to move mountains. Do you believe that today? He can move mountains. And he put the stars in the sky. Anybody been out on a moonless night where there isn't a lot of city lights and saw how many stars are out there? Anybody seen this new telescope, the James Webb's telescope? Unbelievable, and God put every one of those in place. Isn't that amazing? And it says he even made a sky where there was none before. Truly, the vast raw expanse of all he can do and be is measureless. We cannot even begin to fathom it. But fear of the Lord can also mean the fear, awe, and respect we as human beings have of the Lord and the relationship that we have with him. This is the fear we most commonly think of for as human beings, it's difficult for us to look at the world in any perspective beyond our own. Those are great words from Jessica, and I'm grateful that she's written them, but you know, it, it is interesting. Like we can think about all the stars and think, well, I'm smaller than a grain of sand in the, next to the seashore, and how does my life mean anything to the Lord? But he created you. You're wonderfully and fearfully made. Before you're even in the womb, the Lord knew you. And that is a great thing to know. But when we think of money, when we think of all the words we use for money, what are some other words we use to describe money? Cash, cabbage, guacamole, some bread. Anybody refer to it as jack? I don't have the jack. Anybody have moolah? Man, I remember taking Spanish class with my buddy, Jeremy. Jeremy was not good at Spanish class. He wasn't good at many classes. And uh, we had vocab words. We had to write the word for cow, which is la vaca. He wrote la moo. No joke. The next word was money, and he wrote la moolah. He failed. Um, but we refer to all these things, different words we use to refer to it. But when you view money, do you view it with holy fear or unholy fear? How do you view it? Like, we're facing inflation. Has anybody noticed it? Anything happened with inflation lately? You know, anybody went and bought like even a brick of cream cheese lately? It's like $7 million. Eggs, for once my chickens are actually worth it, right? Your dollars can purchase less. Do you have fear? What type of fear? You have substantial savings that are earning little interest. And it's eroding in purchase power by the second. Do you have fear? We're facing a recession. There may be job layoffs. How do you face it? Holy fear? Unholy fear. The stock market. Well, the 401k has definitely turned to a 301k. It's headed to a 201k. Do you have fear? You have substantial investments. Fear? Housing prices. Can you even buy one anymore? They've risen stratospherically. Mortgage loan interest rates have went from 2.5% to 6.5%. Joe Sengel projecting says they'll be at 8.5% by the middle of next year. Fear? Taxes are increasing. Fear? How do you feel right now? How are you feeling, True North? <laughs> you see, the human mind wants to run to unholy fear. Fear? 
But Pastor Jesse shared in week one that there's this reverence for the Lord. And when we have that, we will get revelation from the Lord. And through our life, we pray for and we will receive it, revelation. And eventually the revelation becomes reality, becomes part of our history. And then there's this important R word, remembrance. The SEC, whenever you buy an investment, the Securities Exchange Commission makes them say a statement that they say really, really fast, past performance is not an addictive future performance, may lose money. You've heard that. Well, this remembrance says that God's past performance is his best indicator of future performance, and you, my friend, can take that to the bank. How about that? That fires me up. That's why we gotta remember. So I wanna ask some questions before we dive into the, the root of the message today. But I wanna ask you a question. If I gave money to you to manage, let's say I've gave every person here $100. Would that give you fear to manage that for me, $100? What number would give you fear? $1,000? What if I gave you the two comma club? Gave you a million dollars to manage for me. Woo! Do you have fear? So let me ask some questions. Very important questions ask. If I said, I'd like you to manage this money for me, and you said how long, I would say, I need you to manage this money for the rest of your life or until it runs out. How would you do? So let me ask you a question. Do I exist? Do I exist? Here, touch me. Do, do I exist? Do I, t I exist? Okay, that's good. Do you fear me? Does anybody fear Joe Sangle right now? I mean, there's a gun show right here. You don't fear me? Okay. And if you accepted the money, I would ask you to do some things with it. Would you put God first by giving to the local church as God has commanded in his word? Would you? No, no, no. I'm not saying, you know, have you. I'm saying, would you? Okay. Would you thank the Lord for providing it to you? Would you use the money and prepare a budget before you spend a dime of it? Okay, let's ask some other questions. Would you, would, you, would you save some of it to accommodate obstacles and prepare for opportunities? Would you? Okay. Would you invest some of it so God could put his miraculous hands and touch upon it so that it could explode and grow? Would you manage the rest to the best of your ability? Let me ask another question. What is your ability? Do you manage money well? So it's my money. So if I ask for it back, all of it, would you give it back to me? You see, the questions are very important. Like, would you spend my money frivolously? Would you census? Let, let, let's ask somebody else's question. What if, what if Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, the owner of Berkshire Hathaway, you don't know who that is, many of you don't, so let me name some companies they own. Geico Insurance, Hellsberg Diamonds, Pampered Chef, Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, Kraft Heinz, Burger King, Dairy Queen. Come on, a blizzard. If you flip it upside down, it won't fall out. He owns it. John Mansville Insulation, Chore Time Brock Grain Bin Systems, and over nine and a half of his companies would be in the top 100 size companies in the world. He owns them. Okay, would you spend his money frivolously? What about Jeff Bezos' money, Amazon? Would you spend his money frivolously? If he came to you and gave you money and said manage it, would you spend it frivolously? What about Mark Zuckerberg's, the Zuck man, Facebook? 
Meta, I'm not sure what they are. What about Elon Musk? So let me ask you some statements that we'd say. Some excuses we might be inclined to say when we think about these people that are wildly wealthy is, well, if I do lose it, it's okay because they can afford to lose it. They can afford to lose it. And they won't even notice it. In fact, you know, I'm pretty confident they would make that back in one second of their life. That's how much money they make. No joke. Like what I will make in my lifetime, they earn in one day. Perspective. Pretty incredible. But it reveals a mindset. And the mindset is that my financial misbehavior doesn't hurt anyone. I'm a consumer. So what? The consequences are really inconsequential. And frankly, it reveals a mindset that I don't want to be held accountable. So we've heard of Elon Musk, who owns Tesla, the boring company, and SpaceX. He's worth only $232.4 billion. That's all. A quarter trillion. Jeff Bezos, he's a complete loser. He only has $139.3 billion. That's all he has. Zuckerberg, way behind. He only has $50 billion. Warren Buffett, he has $95 billion. And together... They are worth $427 billion. But did you know, True North, there is someone who has more money than all four of these people combined? Come on, did you know that, that, that I didn't mention Bill Gates, I didn't mention the Walton family of Walmart, but I, I think you probably know the answer of who owns more than all these people combined. Who is it? Let me help you in church when the preacher asks a question, the answer is yes or God 95% of the time. Let me ask the question again. Who owns more than these four? God does. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And today we're gonna equip you to make sure you have a holy fear mindset as it pertains to what God has placed in your hands. And these questions I ask you of managing my money are the same questions that God is asking of us because the money we have, it is not our money. It's a very important set. So I've got a whole list of them. We're gonna put them on the screen and we're gonna look at a few of them. We can't look at all of them today. But when you think about mindsets, an unholy fear mindset is on the left. The holy fear is on the right. And unholy fear says there's scarcity. Holy fear says there's abundance. Unholy fear makes us selfish. Holy fear leads to selflessness. Unholy fear says we're takers. Holy fear, I'm gonna be a giver. Consumer versus producer. I'm the owner versus I'm the manager. I'm entitled to something versus I am responsible for something. I deny instead of confess. It says that I demand instead of serve and I worry instead of having peace and I'm intimidated by this stuff instead of I'm being confident. Do you see that list? So let's look at it for a second. Think of those, those are adjectives, almost all of them, right? They're descriptors. Which ones have been in your life this week? Come on now. It's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging. So let's take a look about three or four of these. The first one I wanna look at closer is uh, the unholy fear is I own and the holy fear is God owns. Ver I own versus God owns. And Psalm 50 verse 10 says, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. We're gonna have an oxen event, cattle, right? 
God owns all of them. They're all his. Psalm 24, one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all his. And you may say, Joe, I've worked really hard for what we have. And you have worked hard. You've got the blisters to show it. You've got the stress to show it, all that stuff. You've dealt with crazy people and customers. But here's what I would tell you. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And it confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. I think it's important in this moment that we get the perspectives that we can find in God's word. And one of them is from the perspective of David. David, who said he had it in his heart to rebuild the temple for a, for a place for the Lord. And he made plans to build it. And in that moment, Solomon started to build it. David raised the funds for it. And David gave more than $5 billion worth of gold and silver to that project out of his own personal treasures. Think about that. He was so fired up about this call in his life and the thing God had him doing that he gave up $5 billion worth of gold and silver. That's perspective. That's a holy fear of, hey, I don't own this, God owns it. And he said in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12, he said an acknowledgement of such. He says, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. It is all God's. And when you have that perspective, that God owns it, not me, man, that takes some, some great stress off your life. But do you really have that perspective, that holy fear? Job, we have the perspective of Job, who lost all these things on earth that were dear to him. Possessions, family, his wealth. Some of us have heard this verse before, Job 1, verses 20 and 21, where he says that this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. What is the this? That's the losses. And he said, then he fell to the ground, and what did he do? He worshiped in his storm. He worshiped, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Can we all have that perspective? Can I be honest? I, 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 I struggle with that. Can you imagine losing your family, your kids, your house, your possessions, and your heart is connected to the Lord such that you praise him? It would have to be the Lord operating on my behalf to drive me. Holy fear. So the question, the diagnostic question here today of unholy fear versus holy fear is, if I lost it all today, all of it, am I okay and is Jesus still enough? COVID helped some of us test this out. I mean, I had a business that over $3 million a year and it went to none dollars a year. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Not. But I, I got a test. And the Lord brought us through. Why? Because it's his anyhow. It's not mine. That's the holy fear perspective. What type of test have you went through recently where you get, listen, pastor says you don't really understand where you're at till you go through a test. The test is the revelation and we can learn from that. And so the holy fear is that God, you own this. And we go to this next one, the unholy fear is ownership position. The, uh, the holy fear is I'm the manager position. 
And, and you know, we just read that in Psalm 24, one, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Luke 16, 10 through 12 says, who, Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And what does it mean trusted? Manage. And whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've been trust, untrustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Jesus is acknowledging, fear the Lord. You're a manager. Luke 16, 13 continues, Jesus continues, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be voted the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and in opposite day. If you have obstinate day, right? Opposite of north is what? South. What's the opposite of God? I would say the devil, Satan, the enemy, Lucifer, the two-horned one, right? But he says God and money because he knew it would be the number one competitor for your heart and that Satan would be, have it as his preferential tool. But we're gonna have holy fear, right, true north? And in verses 14 and 15, it says the Pharisees, who are listening to this, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. And what people value highly, that is detestable in God's sight. Man, over the last couple of years, I've really got to learn this. I recently purchased a farm. It's a 238-acre 238-acre farm, and uh, it's all forest. And I, I, I'm the owner. It says I'm the owner on the deed. But one quick drive on this with my dirt bikes, which is awesome, one nice slow hike on my feet, it, it, it becomes very clear to me, I am not the owner. I'm walking in there and I discovered, buried halfway up, a 1948 Chevrolet. Get fired up. It looks like a gangster moonshine vehicle. And it looks like that's what they were doing because both doors are open and the rear end has like five gunshots in the back. There are signs that humans have been on this property before me and someone else, should Jesus tarry, is gonna manage it after me. I'm just a manager for a period of time. Does that make sense? The same thing is true with all things financial, all possessions. The holy fear of the Lord is that we are managers. We are not the owners. It might say it, yes, on the books that we are the owners, but we know it'll be passed on to someone else, don't we? And so if you have holy fear, the goal is to be a wise steward, an excellent steward for this brief period of time that we get to be in that position. And that holy fear says, I wanna leave it better than I, than I received it. And I wanna make sure that those that would follow after me said, hey, this person who was here before me was an excellent steward of this. You know who the first ones to know that will be? Your kids. You know, should Jesus tell you, you're all gonna die. It's just very uplifting. I've done detailed research, 100% death rate. Right? Only one person got back up and stayed up. That's Jesus. I'm not guessing we're gonna be the second, right? And there's gonna be a will. You do have a will, don't you? 52% of Americans don't have a will. Here's your warning. Get a will. Prince died without a will. 300 people have made claims on his estate. What a mess. But here's what I would tell you. When you go through that will, when you go through that estate, they're all gonna find out how you manage your stuff. It's unbelievable. 
I remember going through a, a farmhouse on my friend's land. He inherited it from his grandfather. And uh, we were tearing down this old house. And we were up on the roof and we were tearing the roof off. We're reclaiming the old meadow up there. And we got through into the attic and there was a box in there. And we opened the box because you want to know what's in the box. It's got dust this deep on it, you know, raccoon stuff has been in there. And we open it up and it was stacks of canceled checks. Remember checks? Remember they would mail them back to you, right? Some of you know that. Some of you are very confused. Millennials, you don't know these issues. These checks were the late 40s and early 50s and they were tithe checks. Like $6.03, $4.11 and there was one every week of the year. Farming on an old tobacco cotton farm. And I said, I looked at my buddy and I said, you know, every time I drive on this place, it is a place of peace. It's like a warp zone from Mario Brothers where I'm in this great place. Now, now I know one more reason why. Because they lived a life recognizing it was not their own and they were great stewards of it. You know, when we look at unholy fear versus holy fear, unholy fear says there's scarcity. Holy fear says there's abundance. Hey, when you think of your mindset, do you think there's not enough? Is there not enough? Or do you happen to believe there could be more that God has for you beyond what shows in your bank account today? More than what shows in your friendship bank today. More than what shows up in your relationships today. Does that make sense? Or do you say, I'm devoid, I'm lacking? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 or 11 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, help me, will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap, okay? Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what type of giver? Smile. And God is able to do what? To bless you with just enough? What's the word? Say it. Abundantly, not scarcely. So that why? In all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound. What is your name? Say it. What's your name? Say it. I'm Joe. Jesse, what's your name? Hey, so that you, your name, you, this is for you. This isn't for somebody else, this is for you, so that you, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it's written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. That's for you. Do you believe it today? Or are you trying to wander around and say, I'm trying to make it to Thursday? Hey, and that could be where you're at, but that stops today. Listen, holy fear says, my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. What do I lack in knowledge? What do I lack in fear of the Lord? Holy fear of the Lord that would change my mindset so that I could receive knowledge and be able to receive the abundance that God has for me. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be what? Generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, the life of a Christ follower is a benevolent person, a person who gives, a person who gives. You know, scarcity says, what if? Abundance says, what if? But the, the rest of the sentence is different. Scarcity says, what if I give to that homeless person? They're gonna misuse it. 
What if something bad happens? What if someone gets sick? What if I lose my job? What if I invest and the investment fails? But abundance says within you, what if something good would happen? What if the Lord would do something that I don't comprehend at this moment? And I'm just gonna take the step of faith for what God's called me to do today. What if I would take this chance and actually get promoted? What if I had this moment to invest and God did blow the top off the investment? See, there's a difference. Scarcity says I'm gonna run out. Abundance says, my God, who's the provider for all things, he can meet, be able to meet every need. And my job is to be a giver. Unholy fear says I'm a taker. Holy fear says I'm a giver. What are you today? Seriously. Really, what are you? 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. Let's read it again. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so we can say it again, so you can be what? A giver, generous on every occasion. When the inflation is up, yes. When the investments are down, yes. When the job situation is a little out of control, yes. In any and all situation, God calls us to be givers. The Lord's eye attends to that person. It's incredible. We're all on our own money journeys, all of us. So let me talk to all of you who surrendered your life to Jesus. You have confessed Jesus as Lord. You've believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And, and, and you have surrendered your life to him. Let me ask you the question. Are you giving? Like for reals. Like for real. Or has there been a scarcity mindset, a taker mindset, an unholy fear that has prevented you from being able to do it? I, lo I loved hearing Pastor Lewis's testimony because it, it just shows what happens when a person says, I, I don't know knowledge, I lack knowledge, but I'm gonna beat back fear, I'm gonna attend stuff, I'm gonna learn, and I'm gonna walk into what feels weird, wild, and wonky, and I'm gonna embrace that feeling and no human likes it, and I'm gonna lean into that and see what God might do. And blessing shows up. Unholy fear of this, it, it says if we give, we won't be able to pay our bills. That's scarcity, isn't it? It says if we give to the homeless person, they'll waste it on booze and drugs. You ever heard that? But the Bible says some of us have entertained angels unawares. How? When you gave to the least of these. I encourage you. You see a need? Just give. The moment it passes your hands, you are no longer accountable for it. They are. But you've been obedient in benevolence. So another one is, why won't that kid's parents buy him any shoes? You see a need? Buy some shoes for that kid. You wanna double up? Buy two pairs. Right? Why? because they may not be able to afford it. You don't know what's going on in their life. And another statement might be that, how would my tithe, as little as it is, ever make a difference in a church like this? Well, let me tell you, it's the difference in your heart and what God can do with it to multiply it. Because all of this unholy fear, is a, it's a trap. And it will rob you of great joy in your life. I'll finish it up with this. My last unholy fear and holy fear is provision versus provider. 
What do you mean by that, Joe? What I mean is, unholy fear is we worship our provision. I am my million dollars in my 401k. Look at me. I am awesome, obviously. I am my boat. I'm my Harley. I'm my house. I'm my kitchen, right? I am my box seats at the sports team. That's me. It's I am my Dodge Ram. Get fired up. Hmm, I'm a John Deere tractor. Ain't one of those red ones, it's green. That, that's what unholy fear is. We start to define ourselves by our stuff. Holy fear says all that stuff is gonna rust away. My fear, my holy fear is in the provider, the provider of it. Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Three verses later, he reiterates it. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. The same as the book of Luke, the book of Matthew says, you cannot serve both God and money. And so uh, what I am saying, am I saying, hey, is it wrong to spend money on fun things? My question is, where's your heart? Another question is, is it robbing you of the ability to live generously? My further question is, are you managing God's resources well? Hey, if you're answering yes to all those questions, my heart is with the Lord. This stuff is not defining me. It doesn't rob me from living generously. Go get the Harley, man. Get it. But if it's robbing you of the ability to do it, if it robs you of coming and sacrificing the first part of your week to worship the Lord corporately in worship, gotta go, man. Gotta break up with it. And I would wrap it up with a song that I grew up singing. I'm gonna spare you of me singing it. Although Mark, who traveled with me, he, he got me this, but Donnie McClurkin sang it, he sang it great. But there's a song I grew up singing, and these are the lyrics. It says, holiness. Holiness is what I long for. Anybody know this song? Holiness, it's what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. And the chorus goes like this. So take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it. To what? To yours, Lord, to yours. Isn't that a great prayer? It's Romans 12, one and two. I'll add two others. Lord, take my wallet and my stuff, own it. Lord, take my investments, grow them for our good, for your glory. Will you join me in praying? Lord, you're the owner of it all. May we, your people, be conformed. May we be transformed. May all we do, may everything that you place in our hands bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, fill us with holy fear. Lord, today, as we talk about this topic of money and the challenges, and Lord, there's scarcity in this room, there's abundance in this room. Lord, there's holy fear and there's unholy fear. Lord, may we make every decision with the knowledge that you are the owner. God, that we are the manager, we are the steward for a season. May we do so with the confidence that you know every dream that you've placed in our hearts and knowing that the joy it gives you to bless your kids. Lord, may we have the knowledge as we worship today and saying that you still work miracles. Lord, help us to honor you.
Help us to bless others and help us to serve you all the days of our lives. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. amen.